This is LAC Online Church in Perry, Ohio. We exist to love God and love people. For more information about our church or ministry activities, please visit LakeErieChurch.com. Now here's today's message. If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to open them please with me to the book of Luke chapter 17. We're going to be over the next four weeks, we're going to be looking at what we're calling the power of thank you. It's Thanksgiving season and although this isn't going to be the normal Thanksgiving for some of us, in fact Shelly and I have made the decision that we are not going to travel uh, home for Thanksgiving this year uh, just out of caution and some of you are doing the same and, and uh, some of the family gatherings may be less than in terms of the number of people that are attending. So it's going to feel a little different, but the general thought of Thanksgiving is simply that, to be giving thanks. Historically in our country, this holiday comes about as a remembrance of the time when our forefathers sat down with the Native Americans that they had met in coming to this new land, and they gave thanks. And it's continued as a tradition all of these years. And it's one of my very favorite holidays. In fact, when I think about the memories of our own family, I love our Thanksgiving memories. My mother, at the conclusion of the Thanksgiving meal, would give every one of us a candle. We would light that candle and then we would go by person and we would offer something for which we would give thanks now that our family has grown to a much larger number, it's an even more meaningful experience to hear second and third generations following that tradition in offering thanks unto God. I think God is pleased with that. So over the next several weeks, you're going to hear several from me, but also from other communicators in our church. We're going to talk about the power of thank you. Now, a few months ago when we first started talking about this, I did some time and did some research and what I discovered is that researchers say that when a meaningful thank you is a part of every day in your life, it does four things for you. Number one, it improves the heart's rhythmic function. By just saying thank you, a heartfelt thank you, you improve the function of your heart. It reduces stress. It allows you to think more clearly without pressure. And then finally, it allows the body to heal physically. They go on to suggest that when gratitude is a part of your life, it floods the body and the brain with emotions and endorphins that energize you as opposed to the hormones of stress that drain your energy. So it actually works in your benefit to be grateful. So when I thought about that, I thought about this passage in Luke chapter 17. If you will follow along as we read it, in Luke 17 beginning with verse 11. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. And as he entered the village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. Let me read that again. As they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he was done, what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Now, when I read the story, there are some very unique things in this story that speak to me. Let's start with where Jesus was. Luke says that Jesus was approaching the border between Galilee and Samaria. Now, 
The importance of that is it marked a geographic division between Samaritan people and Jews. Why is that important? Well, for starters, Jews had nothing to do with Samaritans. The Samaritans lived on their side and the Jews lived on their side. The cause for that was that most scholars believe that the Samaritans were probably Israelites that had migrated from other territories while the Judeans had been taken away to Babylon captivity. There are those who believe the Samaritans weren't actually even Israelites, that they were descendants from Mesopotamia. They were foreigners who had come into the land by way of the Assyrians. Still others describe the Samaritans as descendants of the Judeans who did not go into exile like I said a moment ago. And here was the common underlying thought of most Jewish people that these non-exiles, the Samaritans, they did not suffer like their Jewish relatives and therefore they did not deserve to be counted among the Jews. That brings that understanding brings uh, into light the story we see in John 4 where Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. Remember that she said, you Jews have nothing to do with Samaritans. It was the, the way of the day, if you please. Now, what is certain through all of my reading is that the Jews considered Samaritans to be less than and strange people. According to Jewish tradition, Samaritans did not perform the religious rituals correctly. In other words, they didn't do church the way the Jews did. And they had all kinds of incompatible ideas about God. Not only that, but the Samaritans considered North Mount Gerizim to be holier than Jerusalem's Mount Zion. Again, remember the, the John 4 discourse. The woman says to Jesus, you Jews believe we should worship at that mountain and we believe we should worship at this mountain. Further, the Samaritans only recognized the first five books of Moses, that being Genesis through Deuteronomy as the scriptures. In other words, they did not recognize the other books of the Old Testament, the Torah and the law. What I'm saying to you this morning, the significance of that is that what Jesus does in ministering on this border to these people who were considered foreigners is points out to us that no person, regardless of their heritage, no person, regardless of their background, is beyond the reach of the love and mercy of Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what Peter is saying on the day of Pentecost, isn't he? In chapter 2, verse 39, he said, This promise is unto you and to your children and to those who are far away, all those who are called by the Lord our God. Now, when I read that in my study, I thought about how prophetic that verse actually was. When Peter said it that day, he had no idea actually what he was saying how prophetically he was speaking because remember it was Peter that God was going to call to go to the house of Cornelius, a, a Gentile, and bring the message of Jesus Christ. So this gospel of the kingdom is not just for one group of people, it's for whosoever will, regardless of where you're from, regardless of your background, regardless of your history, regardless of your heritage, regardless of who your mama or your daddy is. This is a gospel that appeals to every person and Jesus demonstrates that here in this story. I wonder why and how did they know that it was Jesus? Because you notice that when, when Jesus approaches, the Bible said they cried out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, unless they had gotten a flyer or a text message or a, a note from a friend, they would not necessarily have known that Jesus was passing by that way. It was by every stretch of the imagination a chance meeting and the Bible is not clear how they were told and so in my notes I penciled this phrase did Jesus just happen by their way on purpose now what I mean by that is isn't it interesting sometimes in the strangest of places unexpectedly Jesus just shows up 
He just shows up in your circumstance. He shows up in your doctor's appointment. He shows up in your biopsy. He shows up in your financial crisis. He shows up in your marriage. He has a way of just showing up on purpose when you need him to do something in your life. And I'm grateful this morning that that's the kind of God that he is. Don't be surprised if Jesus just shows up in your circumstance. Here's the second thing that we understand in this story. It's a very unique thing. And that is, who is it that is approaching Jesus? The Bible said, as he entered the village, there are ten men with leprosy. Stood at a distance crying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, the, the disease of leprosy was one of the cruelest diseases in all the Bible. And to try to help you draw a parallel, I would liken it to Alzheimer's. Or some of the other neurological diseases which are so cruel and strip life from people who do not necessarily deserve that outcome. But the Bible's full of stories about leprosy. In the Old Testament, one of the most famous stories is the story of Naaman, the captain of the Syrian army, who was dramatically healed of his leprosy by dipping seven times in the Jordan River as he was instructed by the prophet Elisha. In the New Testament, there are several stories where people with leprosy approach Jesus. And although it was forbidden by Jewish law to touch a leper, they would say, Jesus, you can heal me if you will. And he said, I will. And he reached out and he touched them and he healed them. The disease of leprosy was a condition of desperation. It was the scourge of the ancient world. There was nothing that evoked more fear, more dread, more repulsiveness than the sight of somebody who had leprosy. In fact, the smell of decaying flesh always announced that a leper was in the place. And you didn't have to know much about them because you could see them coming. The tattered scraps of their clothes, the raspy, unclean, unclean announcement that they were required to declare could be heard. The stumbling shuffle of their toeless feet, the wandering of sightless eyes and the moan of their pain all pointed to the fact that these people had an unseen attacker that was destroying their human bodies and making them to be untouchable and unlovable by society. In fact, the disease of leprosy was like a death sentence. And that's who's coming to Jesus. Men and women who are so desperate, they have nobody else that they can turn to. But can I just tell somebody who's watching me today, no matter how desperate your situation, there is a Savior. And He will touch you. He will heal you. He will set you free. He will deliver you from your circumstance. He will make you a new creation in Christ Jesus. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Here's the, fourth, the third thing. What did Jesus do? The Bible said he said to them, go show yourself to the priest. Now, if I had an hour, and I don't, I would tell you that we can read through Leviticus chapter 14. There's 19 verses that deal with what these men had to do. Think about it. 19 different things that they had to do to be declared clean by the high priest. Just a few of them. They had to be examined by the priest outside the camp. In other words, they couldn't go to the temple. They had to go and ask the priest to come out to where they were. And outside of the camp, out there beyond the people, the priest would examine them. There had to be a ceremony of purification that involved the sprinkling of a blood sacrifice. Those persons which had been cleansed of leprosy had to wash their clothes, shave off all of their hair, and bathe. They had to live outside of their home for seven days. Anybody say quarantine? After seven days, they again shaved off all of their hair, washed all of their clothes, and again had to bathe. And then the Bible said they had to bring an offering of thanksgiving unto the Lord. And at the end of these 19 things, this grueling experience, they would be declared clean and able to go back to their family. So when Jesus said to these people, go and show yourself to the priest, he's telling them you have a responsibility to be obedient to what God has said. And in doing so, when they were obedient, God healed them. So let's finish with this. How did each of them respond? Because there were 10 of them that day. Verse 13, it said, As they went, 
they were healed. So their healing was not spontaneously immediate. It came to them as they moved in alignment with the command of God. Now, I, I need you to hear me say this because this is really important. I'll tell you how important it is. I once wrote a whole book about what I'm about to tell you. It's really important. Back in 2017, when I got ready to start that year and decided I was going to read the Bible through, which I try to do every year, I decided that I would read the Bible in 2017. I would mark everything in my Bible that dealt with obedience. And what I discovered is that the whole Bible is about obedience. It's all about obedience from Genesis all the way to Revelation. It's all about God getting us to line up with His command. It's all about God getting us to surrender ourselves to the plan of God. Because obedience is really important to God. What if they had said, when Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest, what if they had said, I don't want to do that. That's 19 things I got to do. Why don't you just heal me like you did those other people by just touching me? Why don't, no, you can't tell God how to do his business. God said, Jesus said, you go and show yourself to the priest and as they were obedient to God. Now somebody hearing me right now just got that from the Lord. God's telling you something. As you are obedient to what God is telling you, as you step by faith and do what God tells you to do, then God does for you the things that you need him to do. The realization that they were healed came as they were walking on their way. So as they left Jesus, they walked the first 50 yards, they're still leprous. They walked the first 100 yards, they're still leprous. They walked the first mile, they're still leprous. But at some point, as they continued to take one faithful, obedient step, every step they took, they were getting closer to the miracle. They were getting closer to their deliverance. I'm telling somebody this morning, God wants to help you. He wants to deliver you. He wants to give you what you need. You just have to take that first obedient step. You just have to take that first obedient step. And as you take the first step and the next step as you go God does the miracle in your life here's what I've learned at some point the emphasis of your life has to move from a focus on the blessing to the blesser you see if you're so focused on the blessing you miss that the greatest joy is the blesser Jesus and that's what happened to that one guy there were 10 of them and as they're going along at some point all 10 got healed and the one guy said I'm going back his emphasis wasn't on the blessing it was on the blesser and he comes back to where Jesus is and he falls down on his knees and he says thank you thank you Thank you for healing me. Thank you for doing that. And when he did, Jesus said, Where are the nine? Where are the nine at? You know, I'm not saying Jesus was disgusted, by, but he was shocked. He was shocked. He said to the disciples, Where are the nine? And I think sometimes that question may be going on right now in heaven. After all the things that God has done for us, after all the blessings that God has given to us, after all the things that we have received from the Lord, where are the nine? Where are the nine that have been healed? Thank God for the one that was thankful, but where are the rest? I thought about this some this week, and I say this carefully to you, but maybe, maybe like them, some of us are too busy to be grateful. Is that you? Are you too busy to be grateful? Maybe they thought to themselves, hey, I got to go down here and see the priest. I, I got all this stuff I got to do. I don't have time to go back and say thank you. Don't live your life that way. In fact, here's my challenge to you this morning. Today. Take two minutes, two minutes today. Set aside two minutes. If you're a football fan, after the Browns game goes off, take two minutes. Or before the game comes on, 
or before you sit down to eat or before you go to bed, take two minutes and thank Him. Express your gratitude to God, whatever it is. Be, be thankful for two minutes. Don't get so busy that you can't be grateful. So I went to the store this week and I bought me some thank you cards. And it's my commitment over these next 20 days or so, every day, to send somebody a thank you card. I want to be intentional about being thankful. Maybe they were too self-centered to be grateful. Maybe all of their focus for their whole life had been surviving this terrible disease. They've been so focused on themselves. The victimization of their own experience had caused them to put all of their energy into themselves. And they were too self-centered to be grateful. So what if you and I were more intentionally and verbally focused on expressing gratitude for somebody in our life this week? Maybe you get outside of your own need, outside of your own circumstance. And you express gratitude to say to someone, I'm really thankful to you. Maybe they were too arrogant. Maybe they were too arrogant to be grateful. You ever met anybody like that? I can't admit that I was ever needy. Why, if I come back and thank him, then I'm admitting that I was needy and I, I don't need that. In fact, I had a plan to get better. I, I didn't actually need him to heal me. I, I could have made it on my own if I had been given more time. Arrogance. You can't make it a day without him. So here's my challenge. What if you were to lay down your own insecurities today and recognize how much you need him and how much he's done for you? Here's the last one. Maybe they were just too cautious to be grateful. They were too cautious. You know, sometimes life can, can put you into a tailspin. Life can cause you to be cautiously so that you never let down your guard. You never make yourself vulnerable. You never express your own vulnerability. You never express outwardly the joy. Because you're always afraid something could take it away so you're too cautious so what if today you would embrace the possibility that God is for you and not against you God God is for you he's not against you let down your guard raise up your hands and Bless him. Let your guard down. Let your tears flow. Let your emotions go free. And with a joyful heart say, thank you. Thank you for what you've done for me. Thank you for what you've done in my life. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for my children. Thank you for my family. Thank you for my job. Thank you for the goodness of God. The power of thank you. Come on, let's sing it. There's power in thank you. There's power in thank you. Right where you sit, 
right where you are, right where you are right now. You may be driving in your car. You may be sitting in your own home. You may be with friends. Right where you are, would you take the next 60 seconds and just thank you? In that quiet moment where you are, when they begin to sing, just take 60 seconds and thank him. With your own mouth, let the words come out, I thank you. And just identify with it a moment. Just take that 60 seconds. Come on, Jerome, let's sing it. Take 60 seconds right now and just thank you. I just want to just thank him. you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Been so good. watching me today, you're watching here you don't know the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you've never confessed your sins, you've never made peace with God in your heart I want to give you that opportunity right now right where you are, here's what I know, here's what I promise you the moment that you tell God that you are sorry is the moment that God forgives you it's His promise that if you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive your sins. And wherever you are, you can be saved today. The Word of God promises that. We're going to say a very simple prayer. The words will be up on the screen. It'll be easy. But now listen, these have to be your words. They have to be your words. They can't be somebody else's words. They're not my words. They're yours. And as you speak these words, if you say them from your heart, He hears you and He forgives you. The people here in the room are going to join me, but wherever you are, just know this, that people all over this place, every person watching right now is saying the same prayer with you. You're not saying it alone. We're saying it with you to support you. Let's say this prayer together. God, I am a sinner. I'm sorry for my sins. I believe Jesus died for my sins. Jesus died for my sins. I believe you will forgive me of my sins. I believe you will forgive me of my sins. I choose Jesus. I choose Jesus. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, right there in the comment section, right there with those that are moderating, let us know. Make a connection with us so that we can follow up with you. We want to do that. We want to be able to engage with you. And if you did accept Jesus, congratulations. Best decision you ever made in your whole life. Thank you for listening. Lake Erie Church is a multicultural Pentecostal church located in Perry, Ohio, about 30 minutes east of Cleveland. We would love to have you for a visit sometime. For more information or to connect with our team, please visit lakeeriechurch.com.